0: Great to be with you as always. Um, today, we are continuing uh, a sermon series that we began last week that's based on the one another statements that were given to the church uh, in the New Testament. Um, and these statements are there to show us uh, how the Lord would have us live out the truths of the gospel and how to live in a counter cultural way with one another. And so with that, uh, last week, uh, Pastor Levi talked to us about encouraging one another, uh, about the need to, to gather together and to consider each other for the purpose of uh, building one another up uh, in the faith. And now today, I, I want to walk us through uh, what God has to say about a really important topic, and that is forgiving one another, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Uh, Now, the Bible has a lot to say about forgiveness, um, and I can't even come close uh, to covering all that's there on this uh, topic. To be honest, um, I had so many notes this week on forgiveness, I was like, this is a four-part sermon series, seriously. There was that much, but I did you all a favor, uh, and and I cut it down, hopefully, into like a 45-minute message, so we'll see. Um, But today, I want to do my best to at least lay a solid foundation for us of what biblical forgiveness looks like. And so, if you have a Bible with you, and I hope that you do, um, if you don't, you can always find one in the seat back in front of you, um, underneath there. There should be blue uh, ESV Bibles. Uh, Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to anchor ourselves there today. I will tell you that we will move around a little bit, but we're going to anchor ourselves in Colossians 3. And specifically, we're going to be talking about one phrase. Uh, so here we go. Um, if you aren't familiar with the book of Colossians, um, it's all about who Jesus is and how he rescues and reconciles sinners. That's the, the bottom line of Colossians. It talks about what it means to be united with Christ, to be united with one another, and how to live our lives as followers of Jesus, as Jesus' disciples. And specifically, when you turn to chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes that because we are in Christ, because we belong to Him, we are to look like Him. That we are to put off sin, our old ways, and put on where Christ-like virtues. And we know as well, and I think this is really important, relevant to us, specifically here at Freedom Village as well, we know he's talking to a very diverse church. They were diverse racially, culturally, socially, and economically, much like we are here in this gathering. And his his. Bold, clear message to that group of people is this, that each and every one of you, no matter where you are, racially, economically, socially, all of us have been saved by grace. And therefore, we are all one in Christ. And then look at verse 11 through 13. He says this, here, he says, in this place, in the body of Christ, there is not Greek and Jew. Circumcised and uncircumcised. Barbarian, Scythian. Slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And then this is our key verse For today, verse 13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. So Paul says, as uh, fellow believers, we are to be compassionate, kind, humble, and patient with one another. We're to bear, choose to bear one another's burdens, to, to love each other. And then you see it there, our key phrase, we are to forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven us. That if anyone has a complaint against another, what should be the response of those who belong to Jesus? They should forgive. And, and biblically, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, it means to graciously undeservedly pardon. It means to restore. And listen, uh, before we we even dive deeper into this conversation, more deeply into this topic, let me just say um, from the get-go, this is really hard to do. It's not easy to forgive. It's really hard to choose to release someone from their guilt when we've been hurt or deeply offended by that person. And honestly, we know this, right? Many times, many, many times, forgiveness is not deserved. But my hope today is to show us why we forgive and how we are called to forgive so that we can be a gathering of more perfect unity and harmony. But before we do that, uh, let me pray. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you for who you are. Uh, thank you for your word, for the truth of the gospel, for the reality of the gospel. Uh, I pray now that we would have uh, hearts and, and minds that are ready to receive your truth and your truth alone. That we would put aside our uh, own desires and, and, and wishes and wants. And that we would put you first and foremost, seeing you for who you are, and desiring to follow you in whatever you called us to do, whatever way you call us to go. Uh, Be with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, we once again, we we look at verse 13 and we see the one another command here uh, given to forgive. Right? Paul says there again. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And just in that short phrase, there's so much deep theology and so much truth. Uh, So much so that the next 40 minutes is just that phrase. Um, And so I want to take the time to break this down for us, starting with the phrase, as the Lord has forgiven you. We're going to take it in two sections, two parts here. As the Lord has forgiven you. Paul clearly tells us here in this text, in Colossians 3, he tells us, he commands us that we are to forgive or be a forgiving people as followers of Jesus. And how? He says, as the Lord has forgiven us. And I think for us to fully understand how we're to forgive each other, we need to actually remind ourselves of how the Lord has forgiven us. Like, what does that actually look like? And even from our text, we see Paul, the Apostle Paul, was trying to draw his audience's attention to that reality. He was reminding them, and now he's reminding us, that those who belong to Jesus are forgiven by God. And he actually touches on this subject earlier in the book of Colossians as well. He writes this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, he says this, he, that's God the Father, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Look, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So here, Paul reminds Christians, this is so important, he reminds them that they have in Jesus forgiveness of sins. They've obtained forgiveness. Um, In other words, we were forgiven, he says, past tense. But not only that, he's saying we still have forgiveness, present tense. And I don't want us to move too quickly past what we've been forgiven from. Because I think it helps us to see how we forgive and the extent to which we're called to forgive other people. See, the Bible is clear, so clear, that each and every one of us, all of us, were born into sin. That we all choose to sin. Uh, That means, really simply, that uh, each and every one of us, we tend to not just put our desires first. We just don't tend to want to go our own way. We just don't tend to desire to live for ourselves, but we actually do those things. That we, we do those things in thought. We do those things in word, and we do those things in deed. We rebel, in other words. We sin against God. And as this verse in Colossians 1.13 implies, that sin that we're all guilty of has hurled all of humanity, each and every one of us, into a domain of darkness. That's what Paul says. And what that essentially means is that our harmonious relationship with God and with each other has been destroyed. It's been broken that a separation has occurred and added to that. And this certainly makes it worse. We have absolutely no ability to change that reality on our own. There is nothing that we can do. No number of actions, no amount of good deeds, good works, nothing can bridge the gap, the chasm that was formed between us and God because of our sin. Which means, in short, each and every one of us today, we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness, a forgiveness that comes from outside of ourselves. And the good news of the gospel the good news of the gospel, the wonderful truth about God from all of eternity is that he is ready to forgive. And that's the first thing I want us to know about how God forgives. It's understanding that God is not just willing, but also that he is eager and that he is ready to forgive us. Let me remind you of some some scripture Nehemiah 9 verse 17 says this, but you are a God ready to forgive. See, I didn't make that up. (laughs) It's right from the word. You are a God ready to forgive. You're gracious and merciful. You're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Or Psalm 86 5 says this, for you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love, unconditional love to all who call upon you. You see, forgiveness, forgiveness is a gift that God graciously offers us. He doesn't have to, but God who is rich in mercy offers it because he wants us to be reconciled. He wants us to be restored to him. That's at the, at the heart of our father, God, look at Isaiah chapter one, verse 18 says this, come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. God is saying, come, come to me. I'm ready and willing to forgive you. Listen, he's saying to us, you don't deserve it. You don't, I don't, but I take God says, I take delight in forgiving sinners. And so come, come to me and be reconciled to me. And again, we see that this forgiveness is a free gift, right? We can't earn it and we can't buy it. In fact, it's already been paid for, right? This offer of forgiveness, we know it did come with a cost. It came with a price, right? It costs God's son, our Father, it's cost his son Jesus suffering in our place and bearing the full weight and penalty of our sins. But God the Father, motivated by love, was willing to pay that price, to pay that cost. So again, is God ready, eager and willing to forgive? The answer is yes. Absolutely. That's really good news. But here's another question. Does God forgive everyone? And that answer is no. No. You see, God's granting forgiveness is conditional. It's conditional. Easiest way for me to say this is, like any present, this gift of forgiveness must be opened. We need to open the box and receive this forgiveness. And how do we do that? Well, it's really simple. We receive this gift of forgiveness by first repenting and then by believing in Jesus. Repenting, meaning that we have genuine sorrow, agony over our sin against God. We understand our sin against God and we sorrow over it. And then we believe, meaning that we turn from our sin and turn to Jesus, and we trust him and him alone for forgiveness, for salvation. And so if we were to bring this all together and simplify this point, when a sinner, by God's grace, repents and puts their trust in Jesus, we know God grants instant and complete forgiveness. This is how God forgives. And what's incredible to me about this, as I was studying through the topic of forgiveness, are all of the promises that come along with that forgiveness. I had, there's like 10 of them, but I'll just give you two. So for example, we know that God promises not to remember our sins any longer comes along with his forgiveness. Isaiah 43 says this, I am he who blots out your transgressions. I take them away, and I will not remember your sins. Or Hebrews eight twelve says this, I will be merciful toward their iniquities. I'm going to be merciful toward your sins. And he says, I will remember their sins no more. And if you're still in Colossians, I hope you are, look at chapter 2. This is on the screen as well, starting in verse 13. And you, who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive together with him. Jesus, that's with Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling, look at this, the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands that he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So God has forgiven all our sins because of Jesus. We no longer have a record against us because Jesus paid for all of it on the cross. The penalty has been paid. The debt is now forgiven. And look, I want to be clear with this. It's not that God forgets our sin, like he has short-term memory loss, right? It's that... By his incredible, amazing grace, he chooses not to remember. And one more promise. Again, I told you there's so many more, but one more. We also know this. God promises not to let our sins, the sins that are now forgiven, stand between us ever again. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. What this means is that our relationship with God, our standing before God, has completely changed because he has completely released us from the penalty of being separated from him forever. Which, by the way, is the worst consequence or penalty you could ever experience. And so listen, when God grants forgiveness, what he literally does is he he tears down the walls that our sins have built. And he opens up a pathway for new and renewed relationship with him. He gives opportunity for us to become we were once enemies to become now sons and daughters. He, he promises in this forgiveness to care for us and to provide for us as a loving father. And now the promise of a forgiven people is that God will seek our good. Now, understand, we know that even after we are forgiven, even after we've received all of these incredible promises, we still continue to sin, don't we? And that's because the battle that we're in with our sin, with flesh, our flesh continues while we're here on this earth. That fight, that battle won't fully end until we are with Jesus face to face. And so what that means then, as followers of Jesus, is that now... Currently, presently, for those who are in Christ, we need, we must live a life that's full of confession and full of repentance. It means that we are continually required to ask God for relational forgiveness. It's a theological term for you. There are two types of forgiveness there is judicial forgiveness, that is a declaration of being forgiven. That is permanent, right? It's not contingent. But there is also relational forgiveness. So hear me. We always keep in mind that for those who follow Jesus and genuinely have faith in Jesus, we belong to Jesus. You need to know this today. You are declared forgiven. You are declared righteous and blameless. You are declared before the high court of our holy God you are declared not guilty. The gavel has been hit. Right? It's over. You're not guilty. But even in that, even in that, we still must ask God for forgiveness relationally. Right? Just like in any other relationship you have. Say it's a marriage or with a roommate or with a friend. Right? When there is unrepentant, and unconfessed sin between two individuals, we know this, right, but the the sweetness, the the joy, the, the intimacy of that personal relationship is broken, right? and so in order to restore that unity and restore that joy relationally, forgiveness needs to take place, and this is actually part of what Jesus taught us in John chapter thirteen when That story when he he grabs a towel to wash his disciples' feet. Remember in this story, Jesus, if you don't know the story, Jesus and his closest disciples are in a house. Um, This is ancient Near East culture. And so you're wearing sandals, feet would get dirty. Um, And so as you would recline at a a table, um, no chairs, you'd recline at a table, um, uh, face and and chest to the table, feet behind you, right, because your feet are considered dirty in that society, and they were physically, okay? And so it was a servant's job, or, uh, or actually uh, uh, a slave's job, to come around with a basin of water and with a towel and to wash the people of the house and their guests' feet. And so Jesus' disciples come to the house, take their position around the table, and Jesus stands up, um, wraps a towel around his waist, And it starts the process of getting the water ready to wash his disciples' feet. And of course, we know, if we know the Gospels, we know Peter always has something to say. (laughs) And he does here as well. It's John 13, starting in verse 8. Peter said to Jesus, you shall never wash my feet. No way. Right? If anything, what he's saying is, if anything, I should be washing your feet. You're my Lord. You're my king. What are you doing, Jesus? Well, Jesus answers. He says this. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. In other words, Peter, if I don't wash you, you're not clean. You're not forgiven. You're not declared righteous. You can't be with me in my presence, Peter. I have to wash you. And so Simon Peter said to him as result of those words. He says this, Lord, not my feet then only, but also my hands and my head. In other words, he says, just pour the whole basin over me, right? Baptize me again. That's basically what he's saying. Wash every part of me. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. What's Jesus saying there? You See that there? Jesus says to Peter, no, no, Peter, you don't need a full washing anymore because you've already been declared forgiven. You've already been declared righteous. You already belong to me. Now, in that relationship, you just need a little daily washing. You just need some relational forgiveness now to make it through. That's what uh, Jesus is saying to Peter and what he's saying to us. And so we are called to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. And how does God forgive? Well, we've seen he forgives willingly. He forgives eagerly. And he forgives unconditionally. Forgiveness is actually at the heart of our Father God. He desires to renew. He desires to restore. He's actually seeking and searching for people to reconcile. He wants unity with us, all we need to do is take and open that free gift. And with God now as our Father, we live this life where we regularly confess, we repent, and then we receive his fresh forgiveness over and over and over and over and over again to maintain that amazing relational harmony that we have with him. And so let me ask you this morning, have you personally experienced God's complete forgiveness? If so, do you recognize the depth of his love for you? Understand these words from Paul in Colossians. God's forgiveness is so personal, isn't it? It says, as the Lord has forgiven you. We don't deserve it. It's all his love and his grace. And I think as we deeply reflect on that, that's going to help cultivate our hearts and help us to have attitudes that are likewise ready, eager, and willing to forgive. And then that leads us directly into the second part of Paul's command in Colossians 3. As the Lord has forgiven you, now we're in the second half, so you must also forgive so you also must forgive. He's saying, as Christ followers, we can't overlook the direct relationship between God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of others. Or you might say, this vertical relationship with God Should reveal itself in our horizontal relationships with one another. And here's the reality this is the reality people will wrong us. Uh, People are going to offend you. Like, welcome to society. Like, welcome to the local church. (laughs) Right? Like, it's going to happen now and then. Right? Even even I get offended, right, by some of you. And, and sometimes you're offended by me, right? This is the reality of broken people in a broken world, even those who are in Christ. But in that, listen, we have this great opportunity, actually. It's not something we have to do, we do, but it's, it's more of an opportunity that we get to imitate God and display the gospel by forgiving It's an opportunity. Listen, we get to demonstrate the forgiveness that we've received in Jesus Christ to others when we're hurt. And so what does that actually look like? Well, first of all, it means that like God, we should be ready. We should be prepared to forgive, right? I just told you, you're going to get hurt by people now and then. So be prepared. Don't live In a state of naivety, naivety. like oh, this is great. This is like on the clouds. Like nothing's ever going to hurt me. Sticking stones, they break my bones. Words will never hurt me, right? No, that's like kindergarten, right? Now and then, because we're emotional human beings, you're going to get offended. So when that happens, are you what's, what's the preparedness of your heart? Be ready to forgive. That's God's heart. He's ready to forgive. And if you've been changed by the gospel, truly transformed by the gospel, if you've been transformed by the renewing of your mind, that should be your mind and your heart as well. That if you've experienced God's love, if you've experienced his mercy, if you've experienced truly and genuinely his undeserved grace, that should motivate you to offer those same things to others as well when it's needed. It also means at times, listen listen to me, it also means at times being willing to overlook certain sins and offenses. Sometimes you need to be willing to overlook things. That when I am hurt, my first response should be to step back, close my mouth, step back, and with wisdom and discernment, think and pray. Don't tell anyone. That's unbiblical, by the way. That's sin. Think and pray. I should examine my own heart and then decide, was I truly sinned against or was that just a disagreement? Was I truly wronged and offended? Or or maybe I was being oversensitive. And if a decision is made through wisdom, through prayer, through discernment, that it wasn't that big of a deal, I choose to graciously move on. Which means I don't dwell on the issue anymore. And, and, it's important, I make a commitment to no longer talk about that thing anymore. Ever again. That's what God does to you and me in our sin. But if I can't move past the issue, if I can overlook it, then what do I do? And we're given specific instructions. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 15, says this, if your brother or sister sins against you, what's your response? I go and tell all my friends what happened to me. Nope, wrong. Now you're in sin and then you need forgiveness. Wrong. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him or her His fault, her fault. Between you and him alone, alone. If they listen to you, you have gained your brother. In other words, there's reconciliation, there's restoration. You can move on. So Jesus says, first, we try to work through the issues that we face one on one. In a spirit of gentleness, love, and mercy, we go humbly to that person, knowing, listen, I approach that person, I'm her, I'm the one who's been offended, I understand. But I go to that person, knowing that I too am a sinner who's been radically saved by the grace of God. And that I've been forgiven of far worse than whatever happened to me. But we are to go to that person, Holding out, ready, prepared, it's all wrapped, bow on it, good wrapping paper, holding out that gift of forgiveness. I am ready, eager, and willing to forgive. So think of approaching forgiveness as a two step process. The first step is having an attitude, a heart posture of forgiveness. It's being, again, it's being ready to forgive in our hearts out of gratitude for all that we've been forgiven by our loving God. And then the second step in this process is the actual granting of forgiveness. It's the action of actually giving out, handing out forgiveness to that person who hurt me, who offended me. And let me be really clear about this as well. I think this is... This is really important. It's all important. It's all of God's word. But this is really important, I think. If, if forgiveness is asked, and forgiveness is given, it's granted, like you've gained the brother, you've gained the sister, here's what that doesn't look like. It doesn't mean I forgive you, but I don't want anything to do with you. It doesn't mean that. I mean, think about that statement even in light of the Lord's Prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, Forgive us our debts. This is my prayer to God. Forgive us our sins or forgive us our debts as we have been forgiven our debts. God, forgive my sins as I'm forgiving others. And that's really worth deep meditation. That's really worth thinking through. See, what would happen, think about this, what would happen if God forgave us in the exact same way that we forgave? How would we feel? How would you feel if you had just confessed deeply, a sin to the Lord. God, I'm so sorry. I I broke your heart. I, I want restoration with you again. And then God responds like this. Okay, hey, listen, relax. Look, I know what you did. I forgive you. But here's the thing. I just don't want anything to do with you anymore. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Right? We wouldn't feel forgiven, would we? Oh, of course not. And so when we forgive, again, we are called to forgive like the Lord. And what that often means is that we have to choose to bear the cost of that sin, just like Jesus did, even though it's, it's hurtful and even though it's, it's painful at times. And so when we forgive... Genuinely forgive like God, we should not remember the offense that was done against us any longer. And on top of that, like God, we shouldn't let offenses against us build walls between us any longer. Right? And I, look, I understand there are very difficult circumstances and situations some of you, you're ready after the service to even approach me. James, you don't understand. I heard about forgiveness. You don't understand what that person did to me, what happened to me. Like, there is horrific things. and So it's not as easy as I'm making it sound, right? I understand we're just going through, and I'm just sharing you what you need to do and what you should do and how we're supposed to live as Christians. But things are sometimes gray and difficult, right? I understand it's hard, but let me encourage you not emotionally, but just with the reality of the gospel, that God's grace in in forgiving, God's grace will prove sufficient. That's a promise. Yes, there are true consequences to sin. True consequences. And when we forgive, genuinely give forgiveness, trust will sometimes, may sometimes take time. But our aim, our goal, must always be to forgive as God forgave and to forgive as God forgives us. You know, on a practical level, I I think one of the things that has really helped me is to just force myself to to meditate on the truth. That if a, a person truly has repented if a person has truly asked God for forgiveness, what's true about that situation is that God has already forgiven them for their sins against me. And so the reality is, when a person offends me, again, if they are truly sorrowful, God has forgiven them even if I have not. And I think that has helped me so much in being, in being quicker to forgive. Just dwelling on the reality of who they actually are. That again, if they are truly repentant and sorrowful, they are already forgiven, regardless of me. And so I'm just trying to align my heart with what's already true of them. And then the last little note I'll make about this is, well, what if the person that offended me doesn't repent? What if they genuinely hurt me, but they don't seek forgiveness? Then what are we to do? And thankfully, God's word is clear about that as well. Especially again in Matthew 18, that if we approach a person one-to-one, we have that conversation, there's disagreement still, or the one person won't repent, then at that time, and only at that time, we involve others. So we bring another wise and discerning follower of Jesus into that situation, a person whose goal is not to take sides, but whose goal is reconciliation and restoration. They're spiritually mature enough to care about reconciliation and restoration more than the friendship even, because that's at the heart of God. And if that's still what doesn't work, there's still no repentance, even after that, two two to the one or three to the one, if that doesn't work, then, then at that time we are called to bring in the larger church body, the local church, like this, to help resolve the issue. Again, not to put someone on display, not to, like, you know, like scarlet letter, like put the, you know, A on their, on their chest or whatever. No, oh, you're going to walk around. This is who you are now in the community. No, we do that because, again, we have the ministry of reconciliation. Right? We're ambassadors of Christ, meaning that we're looking for opportunities to restore. We want genuine forgiveness and restoration to take place. So we do what's necessary to see that happen. And and to keep going with this, just keep following this track, what if that person still doesn't repent? What if they still don't seek forgiveness? Well, just like the Lord, just like our Father, we're to continue to be kind and to be gracious towards them. We're to continue to have hope for them, that they will eventually see the error of their ways. We're to love them. We're actually to pray for them. You know, it's really hard to continue to be upset with a person that you're continually praying for, by the way. Try it. We're to continually be showing mercy towards that person. Again, why? Why would we do all this? Because even when we were far from God, he loved us and he showed us mercy. Even when we wanted nothing to do with him, he still pursued us with his grace and his offer his free offer, his free gift of forgiveness. And when and if that person does eventually repent, our response should be immediate forgiveness. It's not, well, let me think about this. Let me determine how genuine your are you know, this is. No, 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 it's immediate forgiveness. We take them at their word. And actually, by the way, that's the exact scenario that happened in the book of Second Corinthians. Just like that. Second Corinthians chapter two. You can read there. There was a man, apparently, who was in this community, in this local church, and he committed an egregious sin, egregious means, big time. We don't know what it is, but he did something really, really bad. And we also learned that he would not repent that he would not repent to the point where the local church there in Corinth had to discipline him by removing him from the gathering Can you imagine that imagine you know someone here whatever commits some sin and it goes so far as we actually have to go to that person and say the doors are locked for you you're no longer welcome in this building in this place that happened that happened But in God's grace, over time, apparently, this guy finally repented. And so Paul instructs the church on this. And he says this. Here should be your response. Before this, by the way, he says, he's faced enough consequences. Like, there's no more discipline for this guy. Like, here's the response. Turn to forgive. And, look at this, and comfort him. Why? Or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you, he says, I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. Right? What a great picture of forgiveness in relationships. Again, why? Because we forgive as God has forgiven us. That's the heart of the Father. It should be the heart of the church. And let me wrap up by saying this. There is to be absolutely no limitations on our forgiveness. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus says this. It's on the screen. You just have to listen. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Now listen. And if he sins against you, Seven times in the day, and turns to you seven times in the day, saying, I repent. Jesus says, You must forgive him. Uh. (laughs) So it's like reading that and be like, No way. Like, it's Jesus' words. Back to Matthew 18 the place where Jesus talks about forgiveness so much. He, he gives this order instruction for the lo- local church on how we go about granting forgiveness. He then gives this parable about forgiveness, and, and Peter uh, and the other apostles are listening to this, and it's blowing their minds. It makes no sense. Even in Jewish culture, you don't do this. This is impossible. And so so Peter stands up, of course, because Peter always talks, right? And then he asks Jesus this very practical question, a question that all of us would ask. I would ask it, it. says this, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I have to forgive him? As many as seven times? Because Jesus had said seven times you forgive in a day, right? So he's like, as many as seven times? Is that the number? And Jesus says to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times. Seven times, by the way, that's a number of completion. It means infinite. Jesus says to Peter, there is no cap. There's no lid. There's no limit on forgiveness. Why? Why? How could that be? Well, isn't that how we want God to deal with our sins? And if we want that treatment from God... if we want that heart from God towards us, then how dare us not offer that heart to others as well? Listen, again, it might take time to heal. Unity, harmony is an ongoing process in the lives of broken people. And not only that, we also understand we know that forgiveness is not always a one-time event, right? It's not. Sometimes it's a continuous process in our hearts where every time I remember what happened to me, I have to once again internally go through the process of forgiving that person again. But, but we sacrificially and willingly go through that process. We commit to doing this. We keep on forgiving in our hearts. Reminding ourselves of the gift of forgiveness. That is continuously offered to us. So listen today. Here's what we know. God wants us to humble ourselves. And to seek forgiveness. Forgiveness and unity. That's the call. That's the standard. And that should be the mind and heart of a follower of Jesus. A person who has been forgiven by the grace of God. And, and look, imagine with me. Dream with me for a second. Imagine if we were a community together that had that heart. Imagine if that wasn't the exception But that was just the norm of FVC. Just this, every one of us, just this this deep heart to willingly forgive one another because we understand the realities of the gospel, right? What a great witness within our body and within our watching world that would be. Can you imagine? But listen, we can only do this if we have personally received that forgiveness so today once again let me ask you have you received forgiveness from God have you received the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus have you repented of your sin and, and put your faith in the only source of true forgiveness Jesus Christ if not if not why not today why not today Let him remove your guilt. Let him remove your penalty. Let him bear the full weight of your cost. Go to Jesus for complete forgiveness, for complete and everlasting life and joy. And if you have experienced this forgiveness, if you've experienced this forgiveness, which most of us, I believe, in this room have. Praise God. But for us, then, let's not forget all. All that the Lord has forgiven us. Let's imitate him. Let's, let's show each other and the world our forgiving God by the way that we are willing to forgive each other. Bottom line for today is this. As followers of Jesus... Here's what we know. As followers of Jesus, we are the most forgiven people in the world, right? And therefore, we should be the most forgiving people in the world. Followers of Jesus, we, you and I, we are the most forgiven people in the world. No one can claim that but us. And therefore, we should be the most forgiving people in the world. So the question today is are we? Are we? So today as we close, two questions and then we're going to pray. Number one, who do you need to forgive in your heart today? Maybe once again. There's already been reconciliation but even then the pain of that offense or that sin against you it still lingers. Who do you need to forgive once again in your heart today? And then number two, who do you need to go to with the gift of forgiveness? As the Lord has forgiven you so you must also forgive. Let's pray.